Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the program. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. From 960 AM WSBT, we are streaming at WSBTradio.com, plus on our free WSBT radio app, a video feed right now at the Twitch app. Great to have you on board on this Wednesday, February the 8th of 2023. Super Bowl 57 coming up on Sunday. The Kansas City Chiefs facing the Philadelphia Eagles. The Chiefs going for the franchise's third world championship. The Eagles going after Super Bowl win number two. You can hear the game right here on WSBT Radio. Thanks to our friends at Westwood One. Pre-game coverage starts at 2 o'clock. Opening kickoff is at 6.30. Four and a half hour pregame show is nothing. I'm going to say that's weak as a matter of fact because when Notre Dame football went to the national championship game in 2012 down in Miami and they faced the Alabama Crimson Tide, our pregame show was six and a half hours. And you know what? It was actually a ton of fun. Of course, being down in Miami was great. We started the pregame show from the Media Hotel. We had pre-recorded like 45 minutes of the show so I could get on a shuttle bus and get to the stadium. When I arrived at the stadium, the dogs were going through the press box to make sure there was nothing there that did not need to be there. So that kind of paused things a little while longer, but then got on the air from the stadium and took our pregame show up until an hour from kickoff of that national championship game. That was just a ton of fun talking ball for six and a half hours, and it's a whole lot of fun talking about the team you cover playing for the national championship. Unfortunately, things did not work out that night, but that was a whole lot of fun. So, Marcus and crew, if you want to put us through another six and a half hour pregame show, I'm up for it. I'm a little older now, may need some IVs, but let's do it one more time sometime in the near future. That would be a lot of fun. You know, I used to be a big NBA fan. When I was growing up, Bird, Magic, Michael, that was the golden era 
of the NBA. The personalities were not as strong as they are today. The game was a little more, the style of offense had more flow to it. And now there is just so much isolation and, well, for the lack of a better explanation, I don't know how many times traveling is called anymore. I'm just not as big a fan of the NBA as many, many years ago, so I don't follow it as closely. Sadly, I had zero interest to flip to TNT to watch LeBron James beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record that stood for 39 years, which is remarkable. Just really no interest whatsoever it's not that I'm anti-LeBron I'm not one of those people that throws fits when someone says LeBron is better than Michael or Michael is better than LeBron I have my opinion and that'll kind of come out in a my five question of the day we have planned but for me the NBA is just so different than it was back in the day when I went walked uphill to and from school as they used to say so maybe you enjoyed it wasn't really on my radar last night, but it is an unbelievable accomplishment. LeBron has had so many people doubt him through the years, but continues to break records, including the ultimate NBA record, at least the ultimate individual record, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. With all those wonderful things said, I'll take MJ in a second. And it's not even close. And that's not even disrespectful to LeBron. Nobody comes close to Michael. And I'm not a Bulls fan. I was not a Bulls fan when Michael was there and Dennis and Scotty. I'm kind of a neutral observer, not a Laker fan, not a Bull fan. I was a Celtic guy growing up with Larry Bird, Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, ML Carr, Jerry Schiesting. That was kind of my team. But I'm sorry. No one come close to MJ. That was the ultimate competitor and a guy that just came up big in so many clutch situations. I'm not saying LeBron doesn't. I just prefer Michael, and I think a lot of people around these parts are in my corner. All right, 512 is our time. We've got our hat trick of opening topics to start tonight's program here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, and the NBA did not make the list. We'll start with... College football, the spotlight on Marcus Freeman and the University of Notre Dame football program as they search for a new offensive coordinator. Last week, Tommy Reese departed. He's now Tuscaloosa Tommy, the new offensive coordinator at Alabama. I can't wait to see how that turns out. Why do I have a feeling it's going to be must-see TV at times? Now, I remember Lane Kiffin was on the sideline when he was offensive coordinator for Nick Saban. And when Saban got hot, Lane was right there taking it. Now, Bill O'Brien caught it a few times last year, but he was up in the booth, so you didn't get the two guys in the same shot look as you did with Lane on the sideline. Now, Tommy's always been in the booth, so we probably won't get the Nick Walking by Tommy, giving him the what in the world are you doing (laughs) yelling moment. But we might have some good split screens between the two. But back to the topic at hand. Marcus Freeman has a chance to show us what he wants on the offensive side of the football. Said this last week, 
I still feel like it's the case. This is probably going to be his biggest decision throughout his entire coaching career at Notre Dame. This is a wonderful opportunity for Marcus to show what he wants from the offensive side of the football. And you've got an All-American candidate waiting on his offensive coordinator. you got Sam Hartman in your bullpen ready to bring him into the game against Navy first game of the year. And that's exciting. I would have to imagine, despite it being early February, and a lot of coaches have settled in, Notre Dame is one of those jobs that is a little different. If you're trying to get the offensive coordinator job filled at Louisville, if you're trying to get it filled at Arizona, maybe a place like Minnesota, it's going to be a little more difficult. But this is Notre Dame, and there are still many people that would drop everything to come here to be a part of this historic program. So I highly doubt that Marcus will get a lot of no thank yous. I think there's a lot of people, even at this time of the year, would love to be the offensive coordinator. And I'm really intrigued as more information leaks out to see who Marcus is truly interested in. We've kind of gone through cycles in this process with people reporting stuff. At first, it was the NFL crew that got unveiled. I think Byron Lefwich, the old Buccaneers offensive coordinator, was one of the first names to kind of pop up on the social media scene thanks to a former Tampa TV reporter. I think that's been squashed a tad bit by the football scoop report yesterday that there's been minimal contact between Leftwich and Freeman, not to say that something could grow in the near future, but right now maybe it's more of a backburner candidate. Brian Johnson, the Eagles quarterback coach with a lot of history of success as a collegiate offensive coordinator. His name showed up in some reports. He's got a big game to worry about on Sunday. Maybe he gets an interview. There's been some reports of that. And now we're starting to get to some of those college names. Joe Moorhead, the former Oregon offensive coordinator, now the head coach at Akron. Leaving Akron as head coach for Notre Dame offensive coordinator is an improvement in position. And let's be honest, you have great success at Notre Dame as an offensive coordinator. You're going to do better than Akron on the backside of that decision. Utah's Andy Ludwig, two decades of being a collegiate offensive coordinator and play caller. And he has a great resume of success, including going back to Utah the last three years and really re-sparking that Utes offense. He is definitely an intriguing name. Last night when I was putting together the show, I thought to myself, if I had to put together my top Notre Dame offensive coordinator candidates from the ones that have been mentioned only, who would I put on the list? I got to admit, I don't know a whole lot about Ryan Grubb of Washington. Nick Saban liked him, offered him the job, didn't take the Alabama job. I put him in the four spot just because I don't know as much about him, haven't learned enough to move him up the list. Third, I put the Akron head coach, Joe Moorhead, based on his success at Oregon. 
really intrigued by Utah offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig. His track record shows he could come here, work with Sam Hartman, and probably put together some massive offensive numbers. But I got to admit, the guy I like the most probably is not going to happen. And that's Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson. From 18 to 20, as the Florida offensive coordinator, the numbers were terrific, including 2020, Kyle Trask was his quarterback, completed 68% of his throws, 4,283 yards, 43 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 387 passing yards per game. Number one in the country, 509 yards of total offense, seventh in the country, and eighth in scoring at 39 points per game. He knows how to work with a tight end. He had Kyle Pitts at Florida, like Tommy Reese had Michael Mayer here in South Bend. So I really like Brian Johnson, but again, he's an individual that probably is very, very close to gaining an NFL offensive coordinator position. In fact, his own team might need an offensive coordinator soon. Shane Steichen, the current Eagles offensive coordinator, is a candidate for the Indianapolis Colts head coaching job. Let's say he gets it. Johnson might move up to Eagles offensive coordinator. Now, if he wants to be in the NFL, and I can't blame him right now, Good for him. If he's interested in getting back into college ball, can't ask for many better opportunities than taking over at Notre Dame. And you've got a defensive head coach that I'm sure would give you a lot of leeway to lay out what you want to do offensively. Now, granted, it's got to also work with what Marcus wants from his offense, but it's not like you've got someone leaning over your shoulder all the time as you prepare the offense each week. So I really love Brian Johnson, the Eagles offensive coordinator. I think he'd be awesome here, but I just have a feeling the NFL is going to come calling it. In the NFL, you don't have to worry about the transfer portal, NILs, recruiting, dead period, on period. I bet you college football coaches lead the country in buying excedrins. There's a lot of headaches anymore. And again, Mike Bray, you could get that same feeling from his comments earlier this week when talking about leaving Notre Dame here. The whole NIL thing, it wears you out. Can't blame him. So there you go. Brian Johnson's my number one choice. Andy Ludwig, too, from people we have heard that could be on Marcus Freeman's offensive coordinator list. We'll see who eventually comes to town. Sounds like interviews could be this week. Maybe have started already. Who knows? 521 at WSBT. The second of three hat trick of topics to start Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We've got some hoops tonight on WSBT Radio. Notre Dame at Georgia Tech. This is 13th place versus 15th place in the ACC. The Irish are 10 and 13. 2 and 10 in the conference. The Jackets, even worse. 8 and 15, 1 and 12 in the ACC. Now, the Irish are going for the series sweep of Georgia Tech because Notre Dame back on January 10th at Purcell Pavilion 
put together a terrific come-from-behind 73-72 overtime win. The Irish were down 65-58 with 2.38 to go. Timeout was called. That was the Cormac Ryan in everybody's face timeout. Notre Dame obviously responded, went on a 7-0 run to force overtime. Nate Lashevsky hit a pair of free throws with 23 seconds left in overtime, and the Irish prevailed 73-72. That was the game J.J. Starling came off the bench the first time in his basketball career. He did not start a game. Didn't pout, had 16 points. Dane Goodwin led the Irish with 19 points and 12 rebounds. Nate Lashevsky with 14 points. Pre-game coverage right here on WSBT Radio at 6.30. Game time is 7 o'clock. Tony Simeone will have the call here on the Notre Dame Radio Network heard on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And our third and final hat trick topic of today's program, the battle for second place in the Big Ten last night was won by the Indiana Ball Club. The Indiana Hoosiers down in Bloomington knocked off Rutgers 66-60. to It looked like Indiana was going to run and hide in the first half. They led by 14 but Rutgers found their shooting eye from the three-point line. Over the final eight minutes of the first half, they knocked down five trifectas. And at halftime, that 14-point lead was down to three. Indiana 38, Rutgers 35. But a steady second half by Indiana. Had a little lull at one point of the second half, but never gave up the lead. Continued to put the pressure on Rutgers. And Indiana beat Rutgers 66-60. to Indiana head coach Mike Woodson on the victory. I mean, it's another, tonight was another team effort. I uh, thought everybody that played uh, helped gut this game out. That team plays hard, man. And, um, you know, we couldn't really get nothing going down the stretch from an offensive standpoint in terms of moving. We came stagnant. And, Somehow I got to help us when we get in that, get in that rut. Uh, but our defense was solid, um, and we just kept grinding and grinding, and we got stops when we needed to. Could have done better on the boards because uh, we we were off in that area. We knew coming into the game, I mean, rebounding and not turning it over against their pressure will allow us to stay in the game or win the game. And I thought we did a pretty good job in that area. Well, Trace Jackson Davis, who's going to be one of the best Big Ten Player of the Year runner-up players in the history of the Big Ten. If it was not for Zach Eady, he would run away with Player of the Year and maybe National Player of the Year. Trace Jackson Davis went over 2,000 career points last night with a terrific putback dunk. He finished with 20 points, 18 rebounds, Six assists. He did turn it over five times. But Trace Jackson Davis became the first Indiana Hoosier in history with 2,000 career points and 1,000 rebounds. Again, his head coach, Mike Woodson. It's unbelievable. I mean, all I can say is unbelievable. I mean, this young man has done a lot since he's been here wearing this uniform. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of the player. I mean, he's... 
phenomenal player. He's beautiful to watch, man. He does a lot of wonderful things on the floor, man. To be able to score 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds, man, that, that says a lot. Trace Jackson Davis seemed to turn the corner late last year. He went from a good player that was at times inconsistent into the face of this Indiana program, a dominant big guy for Indiana. And really, the last month, he's taken that play up to an even greater level. And I think that coincides with Indiana becoming a more consistent better basketball team. Miller Cop just needs to play Rutgers every game. The three-point shooter for IU had 18 points last night, four of five from the three-point line. In the first meeting, Cop led Indiana with 21 points. So he's averaging 19 and a half points per game against Rutgers this year. So all of a sudden, Indiana, who found themselves near the basement of the Big Ten early on, then worked, they w- worked their way up into that big glob of teams that are just kind of cannibalizing each other. Now Indiana's kind of poked its head out of that mess, and they are tied for second place. Purdue still leads the way at 11-2. Purdue has seven Big Ten games left. Same for Indiana and Rutgers. They are tied for second at 8-5. and five. And then that still big glob of teams are at 7-5. and five. You've got Illinois, Iowa. You've got Michigan and Northwestern. It's just so hard for anybody to break away from the pack, not name Purdue, because everybody's just kind of beating everybody right now. In the Big Ten, and it's going to show, I think, in the seedings for the NCAA tournament, a lot of those teams are going to be seated close together, middle of the, the seeding in the NCAA tournament. Maryland fell to 7-6 and six after losing to Michigan State last night, 63-58. Both of those teams are 7-6. and six. So we are down now to four teams left that are tied for fourth place at 7-5 and five in the Big Ten Conference. Those are... Our hat trick of topics for tonight. First was the Notre Dame offensive coordinator search. Brian Johnson's my favorite. Not likely, but I really like him. Number two, Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. They're in the basement of the ACC looking for a victory tonight. And Indiana knocks off Rutgers 66-60 on an historic night for Trace Jackson Davis. 529 is your time on this Wednesday evening. Coming up next, it's our Twitter question of the day. We're going to recap yesterday's question in regard to the Notre Dame offensive coordinator candidates. And we had more votes to that question than any Twitter question of the day that I have posted in, I would say, about a year and a half doing this segment. So greatly appreciate that. And today's question is in regard to the Head coaching vacancy for Notre Dame men's basketball. So stick around for that. Also coming up, we'll talk to Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I will talk to Tyler about Notre Dame football. I want him to talk about the Tommy Reese era. What Marcus Freeman might be looking for in a new offensive coordinator. And if any candidate 
has him thinking, wow, that would be a really interesting choice. That conversation coming up at 6.05 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish and Sunday's Super Bowl 57 matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 5:36 at WSBT Radio. We're brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this buds for you. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, for new beginnings, have happy endings. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. And by our sports update sponsor, Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Jerry Madsen in Osceola or Craig Langhofer in New Carlisle. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, again, thank you so much for participating in yesterday's Twitter question of the day. By far the most amount of votes we have had on one of our questions of the day that I post daily on my Twitter account. 960 Sports Beat. I'm glad I did not have to add all these votes myself. It would have taken a long time. But yesterday's question was of these three reported Notre Dame offensive coordinator candidates, who intrigues you the most? Now, let me say this I posted these three before the Football Scoop article came out discussing some of the possible candidates from the college side. Or I should say maybe a a couple of more names. Because here were the three I went with yesterday. Former Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Lefwich. Former Oregon offensive coordinator, now the head coach at Akron, Joe Moorhead. And Eagles offensive coordinator and former Utah and Florida offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. Well, coming in third place in the vote is a guy who won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago with the GOAT, Tom Brady. Byron Lefwich, who just was let go by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He got 15.3% of the vote. Who intrigues you the most between Lefwich, Moorhead, and Johnson? Second place in the voting, Joe Moorhead. He got 35% of the vote. His time at Oregon, I'm sure, intrigued a lot of people. And again, now the head coach at Akron. But the winner of the vote of these three reported Notre Dame offensive coordinator candidates, who intrigues you the most? Eagles offensive coordinator 
Brian Johnson just a few moments ago. I read off some of his superlatives from his time at Florida between 2018 and 2020. Had a great track record at Utah where he was an outstanding quarterback for the Utes, but he's in his second year as an assistant coach in the NFL and might have a shiny Super Bowl ring come Sunday evening. In fact, I think Brian Johnson will have a shiny Super Bowl ring after the Eagles win the Super Bowl on Sunday. Brian Johnson, your choice. Who intrigues you the most? It was the Eagles quarterback coach at 49.7% of the vote. Thank you so much for voting on that question. But you know what? We've got a new question ready to go. We're going to take a day off from offensive coordinator. Twitter question of the day. Let's go to another very important position yet to be filled at Notre Dame. That is the Irish men's basketball coach. You know, there's not been a lot of names kicked around, one specifically, and I tied him in with today's question. If Notre Dame hired as their new basketball coach, Oklahoma head coach and former Loyola Rambler head coach Porter Moser, your reaction would be, here are your four choices. Number one, great hire with an exclamation point. Number two, a solid hire. Number three, you know what? It's okay. Number four, not impressed. So if Porter Moser was the guy that Notre Dame picked to be the new men's basketball coach, what is your reaction? Great hire, solid hire. It's okay, not impressed. We'd love for you to vote right now. Check out my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. If you're a user of Twitter, have you ever come across a message when you hit send that you've gone over the limit of tweets you can send in a day? Now, that must be brand new because I've not really even sent that many tweets out today, just a couple. And I was going to post that, hey, Tyler Hork is coming up at 6.05 and got the message, I'm over my limit. This must be the new Twitter administration laying down the law on using the product too much. Doesn't that seem a little strange? Yes, I'm selling bananas today, but you can only buy three. The rest, uh, I don't sell them. They're just going to get too ripe and we'll have to throw them away. Why wouldn't you want people to use your product over and over? That is an interesting one. Okay. But I guess I'll play by the rules. And I guess it includes direct messages because I was direct messaging someone today. Apparently that counts towards your limit. I don't know. You got me. So sorry, I can't tweet anymore for the day, I guess. (laughs) Fortunately, the question for today is out there. Our Twitter question of the day. We'll come back with the results tomorrow. And we've got a brand new question ready to roll on Thursday. It is 543 coming up in a moment. We'll get to some Big Ten bracketology. Plus, as I just talked about a second ago, Blue and Gold's Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka will join me at 6.05 to recap the Reese era and look ahead to the new era of offense under Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 547 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thanks so much for joining me on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and the video feed on the Twitch app. Earlier, we talked about Indiana's impressive victory over Rutgers last night, 66-60. to So we're going to take a look at a little bit of the Big Ten basketball bracketology via Joe Lenardi from ESPN, the way he's got the teams right now as we are about 30 days away from Selection Sunday for March Madness. Always one of the great sports days of the year when the pairings come out, and then just a couple of days later, you got the Dayton first four games, and then away we go with, what, about 14 hours of first-round games on Thursday and Friday. Well, thanks to Joe Lenardi of ESPN. He breaks it all down. He's done it for years. Here how, here's how he has the field right now for the field of 68. We're going to take a look at Big Ten teams today. And it all starts with Purdue, the number one overall seed for the NCAA tournament. I think it would take a lot for someone to knock them off at this particular time. The Boilermakers have a net ranking of four. They are nine and two against quad one opponents so far this year. And of course, as the number one overall seed, they would take on one of those play-in 16 versus 16 seed matchups, Alcorn State or Fairleigh Dickinson, then move on to either the eight seed NC State, the nine seed Florida Atlantic, and just looking way down the line, who might be in Purdue's path? You got the four seed Xavier. Of course, Indiana beat Xavier on Xavier's home floor early on in the season by a pair. That's a big win, and that great UCLA team. That would be a fun matchup. It would be the John Wooden Invitational in a regional final, number one Purdue versus number two UCLA in the South. Also in that South region, one other Big Ten team. It is six-seeded Illinois, the Fighting Illini, 25th in the net, just two and six against quad one teams. They have a couple of really nice victories over Texas, and UCLA, but haven't done a whole lot against the better teams in the Big Ten so far this year. This team's a mystery. They could get beat in the first round. They could go to the Final Four. That's the talent they have, but they are a mystery and how they are going to handle March Madness. They would take on either Nevada or Memphis in a play-in game matchup of 11 seeds in the first round, and then on down the line would be the three-seed Iowa State, the two-seed UCLA. All right, let's go to the West, where we have two more Big Ten teams, including the nine-seed, a very surprising Northwestern squad this year. 52 in the net, 4-4 four and four against quad one teams. A fun matchup against the eight-seed Missouri out of that highly competitive Big 12. That would be a tough game to pick in the first round. Then you've got Arizona waiting for Northwestern if they get by Mizzou. And also in that bracket, teams like Texas and Gonzaga. And the next team we're going to talk about, the Indiana Hoosiers, a five seed in the West. The net ranking is 22. They're three and six against quad one teams. And Indiana draws one of those scary Missouri Valley teams in Joe Lenardi's bracketology, the 12 seed, the Drake Bulldogs. That 
would not be an easy matchup for IU. If they win that, a down Gonzaga team, a four seed or the 13 seed Furman, and waiting in the Sweet 16 for Indiana would be the top seed Arizona. Joe Lenardi's Bracketology involving Big Ten teams. You look at the Midwest, you've got two teams kind of seated in the middle. The nine seed, Michigan State. Another down year for Tom Izzo standards. they got a great recruiting class coming in next year. Right now, State, a nine seed in the Midwest, 45 in the net, three and seven against quad one opponents. They would draw from the ACC, the eight seed Pittsburgh. You win that, you get number one, Alabama, in the round of 32. Also in that bracket down the line could be the four seed Kansas State. And in a regional final, teams like number two, Kansas, or number three, Virginia. Also in the Midwest, the seven-seed Maryland, who lost to Michigan State last night. The Terps, 27 in the net ranking, 3-6 and six against Quad 1. They get the 10-seed New Mexico in the first round. You win that, you get the defending national champion Kansas, who is a two-seed in the Midwest. Also in that bracket, the three-seed Virginia and top-seeded Alabama. And from the East, two more Big Ten teams are in Lenardi's Bracketology. The five-seed Rutgers, who lost to IU last night, still 19 in the net, 4-4 four and four against Quad 1 teams. They would get the 12-seed Virginia Commonwealth in the first round. You win. You get a really good four-seed in TCU. Likely, they would take down the 13-seed Louisiana. And on down the line for Rutgers in that East bracket, number one-seeded Houston, number two-seeded Tennessee, and number three, Baylor. Iowa is also in that East bracket. You talk about a fun game that might be 110 to 109 in the first round. Iowa, the sixth seed, taking on the 11 seed Arkansas. Hawkeyes, 35 in the net, 7 and 5 against quad one teams. That actually surprises me a little bit. If you win that game against the Hogs, you get number three Baylor likely in the round of 32. Also in that East bracket, the number one seed is Houston, and the two seed is the Tennessee. Volunteers. So, as of right now, eight teams from the Big Ten in the field of 68, but really only Purdue is seeded highly. With everybody beating everybody in the Big Ten, it's squashing a lot of seedings right now as you've got Indiana and Rutgers as five seeds. You've got Illinois and Iowa on the sixth line. You got Maryland on the seven line, and then Northwestern and Michigan State ninth. 5.54 is our time. Sports update coming up in a couple of moments, and we'll talk Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka on WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run! Here's the fake, Meyer looking, Meyer finding the other tight end, Irv Smith, touchdown. Five fire rocket touchdown, Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 6.05 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on this Wednesday evening. It is Wednesday, that means we talk Notre Dame football with my colleague from Blue and Gold Illustrated. 
He is the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Tyler Horka. You can read all his work at blueandgold.com. And things are heating up, of course, with Tommy Reese becoming Tuscaloosa Tommy last week, taking the Alabama offensive coordinator position. And now a month away from spring practice, Marcus Freeman is looking for a new offensive coordinator. So let's start things off, Tyler, by kind of recapping the Tommy Reese era as offensive coordinator at the University of Notre Dame. If you were to write a biography on the life and times of Tommy Reese, the chapter on Reese being the Irish offensive coordinator, what do you think it it would include? Well, I think it's got to start with Ian Book. And as much as uh, of a polarizing figure that he is uh, among some Notre Dame fans, some love him, some say that maybe he held the offense back a little bit. That is the guy who's won more games as a starting quarterback for the University of Notre Dame than anybody else who's ever played. And there's been some really good ones, obviously, if you go through the, the list of names dating all the way back decades ago. So it starts there. And I know Tommy Reese technically didn't even recruit Ian Book. He kind of inherited him. But uh, you talk about offensive coordinators and offensive coaches, and you always talk about development. And I am of the thinking that Notre Dame got as much out of Ian Book as they could have. I mean, this is a guy that's still in the NFL. This is a guy who's in Phoenix right now on an, a roster that's playing for the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. So there's something to be said for that. I think the Ian Book era at Notre Dame was uh, a pretty good one, all things considered, considering that he's, you know, six foot with the bump on his head type of guy and uh, was able to do a lot of really good things. And I think Tommy Reese was a part of that. You know, they were kind of lockstep all of the way. So it starts there, and then obviously the last couple of years, maybe it, it ends with Notre Dame fans wanting a little bit more out of Tommy Reese. But again, uh, this is a guy that I think four different starting quarterbacks have, have started for Tommy Reese in the last three years, and th- that's quite a bit. There's not a whole lot of uh, continuity there. Had he would have stayed, he would have had Sam Hartman for one year, presumably, and then he would have needed another guy. So the, the continuity would have been uh, nowhere to be found going forward as well. But uh, all of that to say, that this, this conversation, everything that I just said, a lot of ups and some downs as well. So uh, he had the best tight end that's ever played for a university that likes to call itself tight end university. Michael Mayer was incredible the last three years, really the last two years, uh, just phenomenal, probably the best tight end in, in college football over that span. So, uh, again, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, but there was always just some element of, a, uh, you know, something to be desired, just a lack of complete prolific offense. And that was, you know, true in the numbers that he had. I mean, it was 30s and 40s pretty much all the time in total offense, scoring offense, and it, it felt like he could never get to that next top. Now, would that have happened with Sam Hartman? I, lo- I think a lot of people were thinking so, but uh, as our conversation shifts here, that's going to ha- have to happen under a different offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I have a feeling that numbers, the numbers you were talking about, we're going to jump mainly because Marcus Freeman's now in charge of recruiting, and that's going to help Tommy Reese had he stayed. But he's now working for Nick Saban, which leads us to this. Tyler, you've been a part of pretty much all of Marcus Freeman's press conferences, maybe the exception of a couple of road trips you didn't go on, but you listen to those press conferences. Do you have a read from listening to Marcus Freeman talking offense in those press conferences? Does that lead you down to a path, what he's looking for in his new offensive coordinator? 
Well, I don't know how much has changed in a year, but I mean, you got to remember, you go back to this time last year, maybe maybe a couple months before, even a month before, say January of 2022, when he was really doing the bulk of his hiring. I mean, he had hire a wide receivers coach, a running backs coach, tight ends coach, a defensive coordinator, and I would look at the defensive coordinator hire maybe to kind of suggest where he wants to go with this one. I think he's looking for someone who's pretty experienced. I mean, he went and got Al Golden a guy who's in his 50s, a guy who's been in college ball, has been in pro ball, obviously came back to the, to the college ranks straight from the NFL. Talk about another guy who was playing for a Super Bowl or coaching for a Super Bowl at this time last year. That was Al Golden. I think you can learn a lot from what Marcus Freeman did with that hire in, in trying to find who he's going to hire this time. I don't think it's going to be um, you know, a 20- or 30-something-year-old offensive coordinator who has really only – had one type of breakout and, and he's on the radar for that reason. I think it's going to be a guy who's been around the block a little bit, maybe has been to both pro and college ball, but, but a guy who's seen a lot of things. And there's definitely some names that we're going to get to here in a minute that uh, kind of exemplify what Freeman is looking for there. A guy that's who, who's done a lot of things, just like Al Golden had done a lot of things both collegiately and in the professional ranks. So uh, we're talking about a 36-year-old head coach in Marcus Freeman, and I know Tommy Reese was only 30 years old, but uh, Brian Kelly really expedited his timeline in, in the coaching ranks when he handed him the keys to the Notre Dame offense at 27 years old. Kind of unprecedented in a way, but uh, he, he was an in-house guy. I mean, Tommy Reese was Notre Dame through and through. We're, we're talking about a guy who's 30 years old, and 10 of his li- 10 of the years of his life have been spent in South Bend either as a player for four years and then as an assistant coach for six years. So it made sense to appoint the young guy in that case. I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense given that Marcus Freeman is in his second year as a head coach. He's still figuring things out. I mean, we're only four or five months, maybe less than that, removed from him in a press conference. You mentioned these press conferences there, and I vividly remember one when he said, yeah, if you go back to Ohio State and you go back to Marshall and we were 0-2, I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, those were his – exact words almost verbatim so I think he's going to get a guy at the offensive coordinator position who knows what he's doing Tyler Horkin Notre Dame football beat reporter blue and gold illustrated blueandgold.com my guest here on WSBT radio you've seen a lot of names kicked around on social media is there a name or two that intrigues you yeah originally and this is a name that's kind of been phased out in a way, but I really liked Kevin Johns from Duke just because he's a guy that has seen Sam Hartman up close and personal for, I'm not sure how long Johns has been at Duke, but definitely last year the two played each other and they played to a pretty high scoring ball game. I think Duke won 34 to 31. So he's seen Sam Hartman. He's familiar with Sam Hartman. I think that those two will probably get along pretty well. Maybe they didn't in the last couple of years when they were a part of a rivalry, but you see guys cross over, and, you know, become best friends with people that they played against, rooted against so hard for years. So I thought he was a really interesting name. But, you know, some of the other um, – pretty much all of these names that come up have been interesting. Uh, Byron Leftwich is certainly interesting. I wrote a column at blueandgold.com this week saying, I'm not sure if that's the guy for Notre Dame, considering he was just fired somewhat ungracefully from Tampa Bay. And they had the biggest disparity in run pass in the NFL, the Tampa Bay Bucks did under Brian Leftwich. They threw the most passes, attempted the most passes. It's not, not a bad thing when you have the greatest of all time, but that's the greatest of all time. Tom Brady was 45 years old, throwing over 700 passes. I think he set a career high for pass attempts. And then they ran the ball the fewest amount of times in the National Football League. And some of that is because the offensive line yep. wasn't so great. The, the running back 
stable, wasn't very good, but at some point you you got to run the ball a little bit. So I'm not sure Brian Leftwich is the guy, but it, it sounds like he's getting a look. And then you have a guy with the Eagles right now, Brian Johnson, who, who's being floated out there. And I, I think all of these names are interesting. Uh, they're, they're somewhat experienced. Some of them are a little younger. I mean, Brian Leftwich is pretty young. I think he's 43 years old and only really got into coaching about six or seven years ago. So uh, there's a lot of different ways that Marcus Freeman could go with this, but uh, th- that crossover between NFL and college seems to be there with, with a lot of these names. Uh, Joe Brady is another one of those college NFL guys who obviously won the national championship as LSU's passing game coordinator a, a couple of years ago, but he's been in the NFL for the last three years and most recently with the Bills. And, you know, that's mentoring Josh Allen, who's probably the second best quarterback, you know, definitely top five in the league. So, uh, to answer your question in a short way, absolutely. A, a lot of these names are intriguing, but I, I think it's going to maybe take uh, a week, uh, at least a few more days for Marcus Freeman and his staff to kind of hash out the pros and cons of these guys because, uh, like Leftwich, a lot of these guys who, who are um, in the conversation to maybe take this job, it's not like they're all slam dunk hires. They all have a little bit of baggage and maybe they've messed up, uh, you know, in, in terms of coaching somewhere along the line. So, Freeman's just going to have to figure out which one of these guys is the best fit. Hmm. Tyler Horkin, my guest from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We're on February 8th. Obviously, this isn't the greatest situation. You're looking for a coordinator this close to spring football. But, Tyler, this is Notre Dame, and this is a position that so many people across the country, I think, would drop everything to come acquire even though, yeah, it is a disadvantage to have to try to hire now compared to maybe December the 8th, but do you still feel like that Notre Dame brand will still help Marcus Freeman get a top candidate in to take this job? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, in a way, it's almost uh, a blessing in disguise for Notre Dame to be really the only big-time, high-profile program that's looking to fill a high-profile job. I mean, we're talking about the offensive coordinator. Uh, that's, you know, if, if it's the head coach's number one most important position on the staff, then this is 1A or 1B, and the other one of those is the defensive coordinator. So we're talking about a really important job at a really important institution because I don't care if Notre Dame just went 9-4 and four and was nowhere close to making the college football playoff. Notre Dame's showing up on ESPN every single week of, of the season. Notre Dame's showing up on ESPN in February sometimes, especially when something like this is happening. So I would not be shocked if someone that just took another job, uh, one name that comes to mind, and I I mentioned him Mm -hmm. on our blueandgold.com message board today when I was doing my Hey Horka segment, was if you could reach out to anybody, make one phone call, who would you go after? And I I, I probably should have spent a little more time uh, thinking about this question, but a, a name that popped into my head who's been one of the best offensive coordinators of the last three to five years is Phil Longo, and he just took a job, went from North Carolina to Wisconsin, obviously to team up with Luke Fickle there, and, and that's a really stable, awesome job. I think Wisconsin is doing awesome on the recruiting trail right away. I think the Badgers are going to be really good and be a force in the Big Ten in a way that they haven't the last couple of years. But if Notre Dame called, I mean, if you're Phil Longo, you're taking that call. I don't care if you just signed the papers and they're still sitting on your desk and they have to go through the fax machine or something. You're going to take that call because it's Notre Dame. And, again, I don't know if that's what uh, Marcus Freeman wants to do. Phil Longo's a a little hard-headed, but, man, can he run offense? And we've seen that at Notre Dame both times that they played North Carolina the last couple years. Uh, He he 
was uh, yeah, Sam Howell was awesome under Phil Longo's direction, and then obviously Drake May was awesome under Phil Longo's direction as well. So that's just one example of, I think, Notre Dame being in a position where I don't care if these people just signed their papers, they're with their new program, they're happy. They can go and pretty much net snag anybody they want. Now, has Notre Dame been the big, bad offensive team uh, that you see in college football the last 10 years? No, but they're trying to get there. And I think, like you mentioned, Darren, with the way that Marcus Freeman can recruit and the way this whole staff is recruiting right now, I mean, Chancey Stuckey is bringing in some really good wide receivers. You're going to see four of them, true freshmen, this year for Notre Dame. If you're a quarterback, if you're an offensive coordinator, I think you want to team up with guys like that. And I think in the next five years, if, if Notre Dame makes the right hire and goes out and you know reels in a big fish, if you will, with this hire, then there's no reason why Notre Dame can't be a really good offensive team under this coaching staff. Tyler, finally, I know you can't believe everything that is on social media, but I'll say this, considering the timing of the tweet and the video, it sure seems like new quarterback Sam Hartman is all in on Notre Dame, despite the fact his offensive coordinator left for Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually talked to a couple people who are in his inner circle. And when I say inner circle, really close to him. I don't want to drop names, but sure. as soon as it happened, that's what you have to do as a reporter is, is try to get those people uh, on the line via text, via phone call, whatever it is, and say, hey, what's the situation here? And I trust both of these people because they know Sam really well. And they said, yeah, he's locked in. He didn't commit to Notre Dame for one guy, that guy being Tommy Reese. He didn't even commit to Notre Dame for one guy, that being Marcus Freeman. He committed and signed with and is enrolled at Notre Dame right now to play his last year of college eligibility as a fighting Irish football player. And I I think the timing of his tweet was awesome. It felt like the dust was kind of of settling. I mean, it was a Friday (laughs) news dump with Tommy Reese. Let's call it like it was. I think it was Friday afternoon that comes out. All the outlets write their stories, write some analysis. I think people had enough time to read them. They're they're trying to settle in for their Friday night, whatever that was. You're staying in, you're going out. It it was right about the time where people are making those decisions, and bam, it hits. I think it was like 6.37, maybe even 8 o'clock. And I I think that kind of woke up the the story again and said, whoa, this guy's for real. He's at Notre Dame. Because you have to remember, if you go back five days ago to when this happened, I, I think that's the question that everyone was asking and really, I guess the day before it was official, when everyone was uh, just reporting it and, you know, nothing official had been said yet, everyone was asking, what's Sam Hartman going to do? Is there a chance that he goes to Alabama or, or, or just leaves Notre Dame because he doesn't want to be there without Tommy Reese? We had this conversation, Darren, mm-hmm. uh, off the air. And I think a, a lot of different people in South Bend across the country were having that same conversation. I just like the way that he emphatically answered it on Friday night right after the news had come out for real that Tommy Reese was gone. He came out with a statement saying, hey, I'm at Notre Dame. I'm going to be at Notre Dame. And I think it, uh, it made a lot of people feel better about kind of the craziness of the news cycle that happened those couple of days. I don't mean this in a mean way, but Notre Dame is bigger than Tommy Reese and Sam Hartman understands that to say the least hey tyler you've got you've got a lot of things happening at blue and gold right now in fact this is a really good time for irish fans to join the blue and gold nation with this coordinator search underway oh yeah the coordinator search is obviously number one me patrick angle mike singer our recruiting reporter we're all working uh night and day to to get to the bottom of that and and just have it fully covered for everyone that goes to blueandgold.com but you got to remember that Notre Dame is also looking for a men's basketball coach, and Patrick Engel has that 
uh, under wraps and Notre Dame women's basketball is making a little NCAA tournament push. They only, I think it's half a dozen regular season games left and then it's tournament time. It's postseason time, which is obviously an awesome time to hop on the blue and gold.com bandwagon. And then right after that, or, or in the middle of that spring ball. So uh, there is no such thing as an off season, especially at blue and gold.com. We cover Notre Dame athletics like nobody else. So go there, sign up for a subscription, only twenty nine ninety nine right now. And I think that's still one heck of a deal for everything that we provide for Notre Dame fans. It's the place to be if you're a Notre Dame fan. So get to blueandgold.com for everything that you want to know about Irish athletics. Well, I talk to Tyler every Wednesday at this time, so I'm really curious to see where we are in the process of hiring a new offensive coordinator when we speak again next Wednesday at 6.05. Until then, thank you so much for your time as always, and we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, Darren. Thanks so much.